Welcome, church. My name is Brian. For those of you who might be new with us this morning, and I'm glad that you all have chosen to be with us this morning on uh, the Sunday that falls between Christmas and New Year. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas holiday, and maybe you got to spend some time with family. Um, Pastor Beatty is away today, and he has, um, the last couple years, he's asked me to stand in on the Sunday that falls between Christmas and New Year, and one of my favorite things that I enjoy doing is, um, before we dive into God's Word, is maybe just taking a little stroll and and, uh, walk down memory lane of some of the great things that happened over the past year. Um, There might be things that come to your mind that happen within your family units. I'm going to think about maybe some more viral things that might resonate with some of the people in the room this morning. The first of those was that the internet went crazy over an audio clip that came out in spring that says Laurel. Now, there's some weird people in the room who may have heard that that, uh, audio clip before, and you all hear Yanni. Um, But I promise you it says Laurel, and and if you heard Yanni, you're wrong. And for those of you who are completely clueless as to what I'm even talking about, go home and and Google it, and you'll you'll hear the audio clip. Um, It's kind of funny. Um, There was also a guy by the name of Mason Ramsey, and he became a widespread viral sensation thanks to a video of him yodeling with a cute little bow tie on in Walmart, and now he has kajillions of dollars and a record deal and all kinds of stuff over a simple yodeling video. Um, We also had some really, really great news. Um, Andrew Brunson, he's one of the pastors in our denomination. He was freed after a wrongful two-year imprisonment in the country of Turkey. And um, we are just thankful to God that he heard our prayers for two years, um, and he's now home with his family in Montreat, North Carolina, just right up the road. In uh, 2018, we also experienced maybe some sad things uh, that happened maybe within your own family. Um, More nationally known, uh, President number 41, Bush Sr., he passed away. There were wildfires in California and tsunamis in Indonesia that took lives in land. And whether it's good or bad, I hope that 2018 is about to have the bow put on it for you and that you're anticipating what's going to come this coming year. Well, as we head into a new year, a lot of people begin to make these new year resolutions and they set out certain goals and opportunities to to maybe uh, get better. healthier by eating the right types of foods. Maybe you want to shed some pounds by working out more. Uh, Maybe you want to be more intentional with your time spent with your family or working on your own devotion um, and your quiet time and by observing a quiet time in your daily routine. Whether um, any of those goals are all great, but one of the things that I'd like to challenge us to do is to live out what it means to be shaped to serve. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. And if you just learned in the New Testament song, um, you don't have to go very far into the song to discover it's the first book of the New Testament. So if you have your own Bible, you can open up there. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25, and um, we're going to begin with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came in. And then the righteous will answer him, 
saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. But then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. And sick and in prison and you did not come visit me. And then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now this passage is one of the last recorded teachings of Jesus that is found in the Gospel of Matthew. And here Jesus is giving a description of the last judgment. Jesus is speaking about the demonstrable evidence that believers should have in their lives, present, um, that each one of us should have, and, and it's things that are supposed to be evidence of the things that Jesus calls us to do if we love him. Now, one of the things that I think is important to note as we begin to dive into this message is that it is not the works that Christians do that save us, but works instead are the evidence that we love and trust Jesus and we carry out the things that he says. And take note about the types of things that Jesus mentions here. It's not some big elaborate cause in Christ's name. It's not a big grand adventure of any kind that we are called to this giant initiative to come under. But instead, it's seemingly smaller things that I think are a lot easier to achieve. Things like sharing food with a brother who's hungry. It's giving water to a sister who's thirsty. Welcoming a stranger. Offering clothes to somebody who's in need of clothing. Caring for the sick. Visiting somebody who's in prison. These were all things that, if you were here for the children's Christmas play a few weeks ago, there was um, a, a guest group that came up on stage and taught us about this called the Manger Boys. And they were telling us to live these things out and to, to seek out these opportunities. But what is it that the righteous people in this passage say? It's, it's the fact that they question Jesus. When did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? And I believe it was because these were seemingly little things. I believe that if Jesus was the one who was, not, who was naked or hungry or thirsty, the righteous people would have been quick to offer their shirts. They would have been quick to give him something to eat or drink because there would have been a great return on that investment. But instead, Jesus says, hey, whatever you have done to the least of these brothers or sisters, you've actually done it unto me. Far too often, though, we are blind to see those needs around us. How many Disney fans do we have here in the room today? Um, if you've ever been to the parks before, um, I I've went, it's been a, a number of years, I think I was like 15 or so the last time that I was, that I was able to go, um, and I would go more often if it didn't cost half a year's salary to take my family of four for a week. Um, but I love Disney, and there's something really magical about those theme parks. And um, actually, when they were creating those theme parks, they had these people called Imagineers that sprinkled in all kinds of discreet and hidden 
Mickey Mouse symbols into each one of the parks. And you would never know that they, they are there unless you have the eyes to see them and to look out. And there's actually people who go to the parks today who know about these discrete Mickeys and they're really kind of like three intrinsic circles that are all overlapping each other to make it look like a Mickey Mouse head. And you have to have the eyes to see. And there's people who literally, like, they, they find more adventure in looking for the hidden Mickeys than they do in the actual rides themselves. But here's a few uh, pieces of evidence, like, to, to show you a little bit about what I mean. Perhaps maybe if you were to go to Animal Kingdom, you would see some wall art um, in the shape of a Mickey Mouse head or wheels hanging in Castaway K. You might see an air conditioning return in a souvenir shop with Mickey's head implanted on it or a lock at Pirate Layer Island in the shape of Mickey's head as scenic props at Thunder Mountain Railroad or even subtly etched into drain gates around the park. Really creative ways that these Imagineers tried to create the whole Disney experience and, and to remind you of where you are. But the thing about these Disney parks is that so many people don't even know that those hidden Mickeys are sprinkled there because their eyes are on other things. They're thinking about the rides that they're about to go on. And I think that much like these hidden Mickeys, God sprinkles people into our paths who we often overlook and we're even unaware that they exist. We tend to go through our lives focusing on ourselves and I'm going to cut us a little slack because we're humans. And in our human nature, sometimes we want what we want and we focus on what we need and what pleases us, our own interests, rather than making others around, rather than seeking out others around us. And about a month ago, I'd love to just uh, tell you that I'm a perfect pastor that's up here on staff telling you how you can live this thing out the way that I do, but I'm far from perfect. And um, I'd love to just give you, be very transparent with you about an opportunity that I had that I failed to live into. Um, Casey and I, my, my parents took our two kids away on a date, uh, excuse me, on, on a little adventure for Christmas. And Casey and I were presented with a date um, night, date day opportunity, really. And so we were downtown and just kind of going from shop to shop. And we had a little bit of time to kill before we were going to head up the road um, to, to eat some dinner. And out pops this couple uh, who immediately like stumbles out of this shop and they ask us if we have some money that they could use for dinner. And I begin to um, throw up my guard and it's not because they're asking for money but be more because of the fact that I, I look up and I notice that the gentleman has a cigarette in his mouth. Now I'm not trying to hate on anybody that, that smokes um, or, or anything like that but I, I felt convicted. Um, well first of all I, I, I began to judge this man. Because I begin to do the human thing where I'm going through my mind. I'm like, okay, well, if he's got enough money where he can perhaps buy a pack of cigarettes, then he's got enough money that he can have for dinner. Start, I start fumbling over my words and I, I begin to like tell him, I'm like, hey, you know, there's a soup kitchen just right down the road. What would you think about trying that out if y'all are, are truly hungry? Um, you know, there's some great ministries here in the air, downtown area where you can find food. Um, He's telling me that they've already done, been there and done all that and um, that they would just wanted some money for, for dinner. So I, I begin at the end of our conversation together. Um, I, I say, okay, here's the deal. In 20 minutes, my wife and I are going to be up the road at this restaurant. And if, you're, if, if you and your wife are outside, um, I'll, I'll buy you dinner. And so I would love to say that, you know, they, they met us out there, uh, but they were nowhere to be found. Um, and every day since then, I've thought about this couple. 
and I've been convicted, first for judging them, because I believe that it's not my place to judge. I began to size this guy up, especially with the cigarette in his mouth, and I I, I felt terrible. And the Holy Spirit has gotten a grip of my heart, and, and he's like, hey, look, it's God's place to judge, not yours. And secondly, for being disobedient to the Holy Spirit. Because I believe that would have been a great way to live out Matthew 25. Here I am, a pastor on staff, and there are so many people within the walls of this church and outside who've been a great blessing to me and to my family. It would have been no big deal just to hand them a $20 bill and, and, or taking them immediately to, to go up and, and to get them a meal um, and to get to know their story. Casey and I didn't have anything else to do. But instead, I've been plagued over the last few days thinking about how I missed such an incredible opportunity to live out Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, Jesus shares his judgment as an indictment of the church for its lack of social involvement in kingdom matters. And Jesus taught that love for God is evidenced by love for our neighbor and that knowing God's forgiveness will lead us to share mercy and that by experiencing God's love, we will, as a consequence, extend that love to others. And remember in this passage that it was the righteous people who were the ones who were being compared to, to the goats who were not going to be able to enter into the kingdom. There are two main types of sins that I think that we can boil down um, to a broad categories. Um, the first types of sin is what we call uh, sins of commission. These are things that we commit. Um, these are whether indeed or thought or action. These are things that we intentionally or maybe unintentionally actually do um, and, and, are, and are wrong. The other type of sin is a sin of omission. And these are things that we intentionally fail to do them when we feel like the Holy Spirit or God has put something or someone in our path and we fail to be obedient under that calling. And that was me that day. James chapter 4 verse 17 says, If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. And if you're anything like me, that's a very troubling passage because not only do I have to be intentional about not doing the things that I know that God tells me not to do, but I also have to be mindful of those things that God tells me to do that I don't have the eyes or the heart or the time or whatever it is to live out. It's no easy task. And speaking of no easy tasks, sometimes ministering to these people, the least of these brothers and sisters that Jesus mentions in this passage, can be very difficult. I can remember, and and frustrating, I can remember um, a a guy that I had come to know that um, had come through one of the shelters downtown. He was homeless, and he ended up getting placed with a job, and he was able to find money to, to, uh, to begin to put together rent and to fend for himself. And I was so proud of all that this guy had accomplished. I had been checking in on him, only to realize a couple months later that he had relapsed, that he lost his job, that he could no longer afford his apartment, and that he was right back to square one where I originally had met him. And it was really frustrating, and I was super disappointed. But no matter how big of a disappointment somebody might be, or frustrating it might be to live out Matthew chapter 25, it's no excuse for us to not live into what it is that Jesus calls us to do. We are called to help the marginalized, and we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to advocate for the lost and the poor and the hurting. Sometimes this is exactly what we need to take our next step with the Lord. There's a helpful graphic that I came across about our spiritual journey in life. 
Um, and here it is on the screen, and I think it's a great depiction of, of this, um, this process that we call of salvation. Now, there's a few churchy words on there, but I'll help explain them. When, when we are born, even though we have a heartbeat, we, we are in a spiritual state of deadness. Um, that there is nothing in our lives that we can do to earn God's favor or merit as we grow and mature because we are dead to sin. The only thing that we can do is to, uh, to accept and to um, receive Jesus and what he alone did on the cross for us. And the moment that we do that, that is what we call the point of conversion. That's where we surrender our life and our will over to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that is a big churchy term called justification. Your, your spiritual life is justified by what Jesus did on the cross for you. And then the next thing is this progression of growth that as Christians we should all be striving for every single day. The David Holcomb talked about as he opened up our service, this process of sanctification. Now if you're anything like me, um, maybe you have some peaks and valleys. You have days where you feel like you're doing really great at what God calls you to do, and maybe days where you fail. But maybe if you were to chart it out on a line graph, hopefully you would see some kind of increase, and that ev every day you would be getting a little bit better until the day of ultimate um, glorification, which is the, the next term. This is the point where we die, and if you are a believer, you are ushered into the presence of the Lord, and it is going to be a glorious day, hence glorification. But the thing about it is somewhere between this point of conversion and glorification, justification and glorification, and the sanctification pro process, many of us begin to plateau. And maybe it's that the newness of Christianity begins to wear off. Maybe the excitement's not there. Maybe we feel like we haven't heard from God in a long time. Maybe you've been praying prayers for decades and you just haven't heard God answer that. Whatever the, the thing may be, I believe that sometimes what we need in order to take the next step in our spiritual journey and to level up and to see some spiritual growth is to live out what it means to be shaped to serve. I believe that there are many Christians who begin this process, but, but then um, they begin to use their gifts, and they can, they're able to see the way that the Lord is at work within their lives. But I believe that as we are shaped to serve, we are saved by faith and faith alone. In the Protestant Reformation, one of the five solas that was highlighted um, as, a, as a big arguing point in, in the Protestant Reformation was sola fide, faith alone alone is what saves in Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ and Christ alone is what saves us. However, with that in mind, I believe that believers, Christians, are called to bear fruit and to allow others to see Christ in the way that we live our lives and our actions, the way that we carry ourselves out. John Calvin, he said that faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is never alone. Meaning that we should all have some kind of fruit in our lives to show others what it means that we're Christians. Nelson Searcy is a pastor of the Journey Church um, and, and a famous author. And he says that if you're not serving, you're not growing. We are all called to serve as believers. We're called to use those gifts that we have in our lives. So if we're shaped to serve, we must be using our hands and our feet and our voices to serve others and to build up God's kingdom. In James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if somebody says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, 
is dead. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Whether it's serving within the walls of our church or in the wall or outside of the walls in our community or even overseas on a mission trip, I believe there are countless ways to have a meaningful impact and to live out Matthew chapter 25. And as we enter into a new year, I've got five that I'd love to suggest to us this morning on ways that we can live this out and have a meaningful impact. And the first of those is by giving your time. And for some of us in the room, that might be the hardest one of the five that I'm going to mention. Because time is something that all of us have an equal amount of. And it's something that we're all demanded, have different demands of our time. People that might need us, family, friends, coworkers, job demands. Time is very difficult. But sometimes, in order to be the hands and feet of Jesus, you're going to be required to sacrifice some of your time. Did you know that here at River Oaks alone, okay, I'm going to speak to within the walls of our church for just a second. Within the walls of our church on a Sunday, to pull off one Sunday, it takes roughly 200 volunteers to pull off a Sunday morning here, or Sunday, um, Sunday morning and afternoon. And if you are questioning that, uh, here's what some of the staff we all came up with uh, this past week to, to show you, all right? So volunteer needs for a Sunday, it takes roughly 40 people back in Noah's Ark um, to help back there. And then in Kids Rock, our elementary school ministry, it takes roughly 36 volunteers to lead the small group circles and to help in the tech team and to help lead those, facilitate the big room um, discussions. For youth on a Sunday afternoon and including Sunday school, it takes roughly 50 small group leaders and Sunday school teachers. For ushers on a Sunday, roughly 28 between our two services, and then the coffee bar, 16 to provide the muffins and the the coffee that you all enjoy. The welcome center, security, parking, medical, it takes roughly 26 volunteers to fill those teams and, and our tech team, roughly six people every Sunday for a grand total of 202 volunteers on a Sunday. And here's the thing, many of us, we see a lot of people serving. And we think, well, somebody else is doing that, so I don't need to. But I believe that we can begin to um, lose our purpose when we begin to use that rationale. Because God is going to ask us to use a little bit of our time. Some of you are really great at serving above and beyond with your time. And we can't say thank you enough for that. The second way that I believe is to use your talents. For Christians, the moment that you became a believer, the Holy Spirit has given you one, if not more, spiritual gifts that God intends for you to use to build His church. Now, sometimes it already goes hand in hand with something you're already gifted or talented in, but this is not a gift like a Christmas present that you might have just received a couple days ago. Instead, this is a skill or passion, or desire that the Holy Spirit has given to you to live out to help build up the kingdom of God. And many of us, um, if you're unfamiliar with this term spiritual gift, I would encourage you um, to visit our website and to type in in the search bar. Uh, There's a little area where you can type in spiritual gifts assessment, and it'll pull up a little online survey where you can use, and it will help pair you up with a bunch of different gifts that Paul mentions in the New Testament as ways that we can use our gifts to build God's kingdom. And I would encourage you to do it about every three to five years, because as your life circumstances change, sometimes your spiritual gifts might also change. So if you did the test 10, 15 years ago, maybe go and see if anything's changed. And here's the thing, as you use your talents, um, 
I would say that if somebody were to come up to me and say, hey, I, I would love to help volunteer in youth ministry. And I've found on my spiritual gifts test that this might be a great thing. I, I'm, I found that I've gifted in shepherding. And you come in and you f- are freaked out by your first Sunday there because it's like so crazy. Um, that is totally okay. We're going to say, hey, we want to give you a free pass to find out how you are able to use those gift, gifts to bring, bring yourself joy, but to bring God the glory that he deserves in using them. The third way is to invest your treasure. As believers, we are called to give back to God a portion of what's already his. And sometimes that's going to make us sacrifice a little bit in our wallets. And I would say that I failed big time a few weeks ago when I ran into this couple. I should have easily just pulled out a $20 bill and said, here you go, and not worried about how they used it, but instead been obedient to the Holy Spirit. Some of you over the past year, you've been, we've begun, you know that we've begun this new chapter in our church's history where we have uh, done this Beyond Initiative. And we, as a staff, I, I, I think I speak on behalf of all of us when we want to say thank you for the many ways that you all have begun pledging money to be a part of this great initiative, to build a discipleship center, to renovate our coffee bar, to expand our care to our children in Noah's Ark. We are ecstatic and excited for the buy-in that you all have gone, gone um, and been a part of, whether through prayer or through giving, to be a part of this, investing your treasure. In our faith journey, in order to be shaped to serve, God is going to ask us sometimes to trust him with our wealth and to exercise a little bit of faith to see if, if, if it would be helpful in building up God's kingdom. The f- fourth way is to encourage with your words. Sometimes all it takes is a kind word to say to somebody. And I can remember when I was in seminary, one of my professors, he said, whenever you're sitting with somebody who's just recently grieving or been handed a little bit of bad news, and you're that ambassador sitting there beside them in those moments, you're walking on holy ground. Because there's something wise about when you are able to encourage with your words the way that God will use you in those moments. How are you using your words to build up God's kingdom? The fifth way is to share your story. Share your story. When it comes to sharing our story, no matter how you are directed to meet the needs and the opportunities around you, I would encourage you to be quick to turn that conversation back to God. In all things, we should always be ready to turn our conversation back to God. Um, I loved, I was watching the Clemson game last night at the very end after Clemson's victory. Dabo Sweeney, the coach of Clemson, he said, I'd just love to give all the glory back to God. Here he is on national news, um, national coverage, and he turns that attention back to God. And while it was a silly football game, and yes, they got a very important win, he was taking that opportunity to be a great ambassador. What are you doing to share your story? Um, I tell our students all the time, all the time when we go on mission trips, that while, yes, we are there to do some work in the community, your first and most important role is to share your story. You know your story, and you know how God has used you and gotten you to where you are. Be quick to share that with others so that it can be a blessing to other people. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Long ago in Scotland, there was a um, story of somebody who did this really well, who was quick to, to live out this passage in Matthew 25. If you were to go to Switzerland today in the small town of Basel, there is a church there um, in St. Martin's Church that depicts St. Martin of Tours. And he's a Roman soldier with Christian faith. And apparently long ago on a cold winter day, 
St. Martin, he entered um, into the city and was stopped by a beggar asking for alms. And having no money, Martin took off his cloak and he cut it in two and he gave half of it to the beggar. And that night he had a dream, as the story goes, of heaven. And Jesus was wearing half of this Roman soldier's cloak. And, and an angel appeared to Jesus and he said, Master, why is it that you're wearing that, that battered old cloak that's been cut in two? And Jesus answered, My servant Martin is the one who gave it to me. What a great depiction of living out Matthew 25, doing this unto the least of these brothers. What are you doing to live out Jesus' command, to love other people? You see, I'm blown away sometimes when it comes to our faith journey and living out what it means to be shaped to serve, how sometimes I am the one, like I want to go out and be a blessing to other people, but I find that it's actually the other people that, are, that I'm going to serve who are the biggest blessing back to me. It's funny how God works like that. I believe that there are some blessings that we can experience when, we, when it comes to serving others. And the first of those blessings is that serving allows us to discover and develop our spiritual gifts. I just mentioned that a few minutes ago, but it's a great way to exercise those and to put them into action and to see, wow, is this something that really this assessment is, is true of? And I think that the more that you do it, the more you'll realize whether that assessment is true or maybe you, you need to go back and, and perhaps do it again. The Apostle Paul, he compares the church to a human body and he says that we've all been given different spiritual gifts and the church works best when we come together and work as one. Serving also allows us to experience the joy and the peace that comes from obedience. And I believe that that's really important. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11 says, As each one of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be the one who is glorified through Christ Jesus. Serving is a great way to live that out. Third way is that serving helps us become more like Jesus. It's something that we should all strive on a daily basis to be more and more like Jesus until ultimately we're glorified in his presence. It shifts our focus off of ourselves and more onto him. In 1 John 2, 6, it says, Whoever says that he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walks. The fourth way is that we can receive blessings is that serving provides community. I know that when I've had these opportunities to go on the 30 Hours of Hope mission trips that, that, that um, Pastor Sonny on staff puts together, or when I take the students on a mission trip, I love the community that happens and seeing the way that God pulls people together. And I get to learn the stories of people that are sitting here in the, the seats this morning. It brings me great joy to, to find that community. The fifth way is serving increases our faith. As we move out of our comfort zones, God increases our faith by revealing new potential in ourselves and in his church. Sometimes we just have to take that small step of faith. Or some of us, serving might be a giant leap, but we should be obedient unto that. Number six is that serving allows us to experience God's presence in new ways. I'm amazed when we go on some of these youth trips, and particularly Kentucky. For those of you who've been around our church for many years, you've, you've heard about some of our Kentucky mission trips on Youth Sunday. And these students will come back from that trip, and they're like, I never knew that God could work in such amazing ways. I'm like, yeah, and he can do it on Sunday too, and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. He doesn't just work in Kentucky. And they're like, yeah, but it was special there, you know. Um, but serving allows us to experience that newness and the difference of, of being outside of our comfort zones. 
And the last way is that serving is good for our souls. Studies have shown that volunteering is so good for the mind and the body that it can ease symptoms of stress and depression. And tapping into our gifts and passions builds self-confidence and energy and strength. And serving others can also be the best way, the best distraction from our own worries. It's almost like God knew what he was doing when he created us to be shaped to serve. And my, it's my prayer that as each one of us has this opportunity to live these things out, that one day the king will turn to each one of us and say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world because of the way that you were being compared to a sheep by being shaped to serve and living those things out. Now, we have many people here this morning you all live this, this out really well in your day-to-day lives. You volunteer on weekends or after you get off work. Some of you, you use your work as a missions place. Um, and we have many local missionary partners who our church supports financially and through prayer. And I could really call up anybody, a number of people who would be so great to highlight. But this morning, I'd love to call up Melanie Bell. Melanie's going to come up. And she is with City Lights Ministry. And um, Melanie, you can come up on stage. And I'd love to tell you about City Lights. It's our newest local mission partner with our church. And um, we're going to just do a little Q&A and hopefully share a little bit of new information uh, that you might not know about that's going on in parts of Winston-Salem. So Melanie, thank you for being here this morning. Um, Would you mind just telling us about what is at the heart of City Lights Ministry? Thank you, Brian. Um, It's good to be here this morning. City Lights Ministry is an inner city children's ministry here in Winston-Salem. And um, the heart of City Lights Ministry is just building relationships with children in need as we guide them to building relationships with Jesus Christ. Awesome. Um, So City Lights has this really big heart for for reaching children that are here in our area. Um, What are some of the biggest obstacles that you have seen as you've begun to minister to some of these children in East Winston? I think the the build the biggest obstacle is um, that there are so many children in need. Um, it takes a lot of us to to maintain that relationship of of a good quality uh, resource for those children. So we go we need a lot of volunteers, um, and so not just volunteers, but those that want to uh, step into leadership and and actually help on a um, a year-round basis, someone who can be committed and, and be there for these kids um, all the time. Well, speaking of, of being committed, um, Melanie, I'm going to sidestep from the conversation. Whenever she goes into these communities, if I were to go into the same community, these children would probably stay inside their doors, you know, or they, they, they might not receive me very well. But Melanie goes into these communities. She has her bright yellow City Lights Ministry t-shirt on. And these children, they've come out by the droves and they are so excited to see Miss Melanie and all of the wonderful ministry that she has going on. And um, Melanie, would you mind just um, talking about some of the needs that you, you've seen in the, um, in, within the lives as you begin to hear their stories um, and maybe what you were able to do over the past year with uh, the Bunk Bed Initiative? So, um, um, because I read a long time ago, someone quoted that um, it takes more than a, a bowl of soup to to raise a successful, well-rounded child, and that's so true. Um, and building relationships with these children, we find that there are a lot of needs in their life, um, and showing them the love of Jesus Christ is most important. But then we find out that they they not only go without a lot of food, but they don't have enough clothes or that they were sleeping on the floor. 
And so we were finding hundreds of children that were sleeping on the floor in our city. And so in February, God gave me the idea, because I'd never seen or heard of it before, um, to just build bunk beds out of two-by-fours because we weren't collecting enough used beds to meet the needs for these children. Um, and so in February, I just started getting the word out that um, I had this idea, um, just throwing it around trying to figure out how we would make this happen. Um, and that's when Brian um, connected with us and said, hey, we've done this before, and him and Sonny kind of helped us launch this first build day in March. Um, and since March, we have been able to um, build 100 bunk beds, which is 200 children off the floor and into proper beds. And so this year has been really incredible. Mm -hmm. Perhaps one of the things that struck my heart chords the most in, in hearing um, about the need of children sleeping on the floors is some of these children aren't just sleeping on the floors. They're actually being taken from their homes by DSS. And they can simply be reunited with their families by simply getting a bed. And their families don't have that, those opportunities. So it's a, been a great thing. I've been super excited about that. Um, and Melanie is a visionary leader. She's got a great heart and compassion with every bunk bed she builds. Um, she shares the gospel with these children, which is the most exciting thing to me um, about this. It's not just meeting a need, but it's, it's providing for spiritual care as well. Um, Melanie, tell me about what you have your mindset on for 2019 and beyond. So um, a few months ago, a couple months ago, I got a call from DSS, and there was a child. Um, there was two children, seven and nine years old, and they were at home by themselves. Um, their dad was at work. Their mom had been deported, and they were home by themselves with no food. And then I realized that there are a lot of children out there without food, and their parents or themselves have no way of getting to a food bank. And so um, we, I, three days later, went and bought this uh, used postal truck. It's got shelves in it, and we made our food pantry mobile that can go out into the neighborhoods where we um, do sidewalk Bible schools and share the gospel with the children. So now um, sometimes three, three or four times a week, we take this truck around, and children are able to get um, food off of our truck. Um, they're able to get children's clothes, and then we also use it to deliver beds. So when we were open to the public, um, we were helping about 40 children a day. And now with our truck, we can help about 170 children in two hours. So because this truck has been so successful um, and being able to reach out to children um, right there in their neighborhoods with everything that they need, um, we're wanting to expand that and purchase a second truck so we can be in more neighborhoods. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Well, as, as we wrap up, if there's anybody here today that uh, maybe you've never served in the community before, uh, maybe you have some apprehension or uh, a little hesitancy, Melanie, what would you say to that person that would maybe be interested in taking their first little small step of faith to, to partner with you or any other ministry in Winston-Salem? You know, we're, we're, a local, we're a local ministry. Um, we're local missions right here in Winston-Salem. Sometimes it's, it's pretty scary to go on a mission trip, to go to another state or go out of the country. But we can do the same thing that we do on a mission trip right here in our city. Um, you don't have to worry about airfare or big travel. Um, a year of preparation, you can just come out with us on a day. Um, spend a couple hours with us in the street and just meet a child and be their friend, and it's that simple. 
um, it means a lot to them to have someone that cares. And when you team up and go out with us, where we've built that relationship with them year-round, it's more accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can go on our website, citylightsministry.org, or River Oaks's website that I've learned, um, and, and there's a link there. And you can go on calendar. You can see all the areas that we do uh, ministry that you might want to plug into. And then you can look at the calendar for the dates and then actually sign up right there on the website. Awesome. Would you all give it up for Melanie, please, being here with us this morning? Thank you, Brian. As we conclude today, um, by no means do I want to try to be up here manipulating you into serving. Hopefully it's God that's the one that is stirring your hearts to have a heart to serve others. Um, But if you are here and you are interested in learning more about serving on your, hey, I'm here card that'll be collected in just a moment. You can just circle that and say, I'm interested in serving on a Sunday morning team within the walls of the church and we'll have a staff person reach out to you. Or on our own website, you can go and learn about some of our ministries um, here in Winston-Salem that our church supports locally. You can go on our homepage at riveroakschurch.org, scroll down to Discipleship Pathway and click on Go With a Mission. And then our local ministry partners are, are listed in alphabetical order. Um, City Lights is up there and you can click there and you can find out direct, li- direct links to the, their websites as well as a, a partner from our church that, um, uh, that is a person, a member of our church that is a, a partner um, that is a representative with that organization as well. So um, thank you all for being here again this morning. Um, and I'm going to pray out as we conclude our time of worship together. Lord, we, uh, we thank you, God, that you are a God of grace and mercy. And I pray that you would forgive me for my shortcomings, for those times that I omitted uh, opportunities to live out Matthew 25. Would you give me the eyes to see and the, the, the ears to hear and the hands to serve? <clears throat> and would that be true for each one of us here this morning, Lord? Would we be a church that is known uh, for the care and the, share the, the sharing that we have uh, of your gospel for those that are in need within our community? We thank you, God, for your time uh, that that you um, have shown us. Allow us to give a little bit of ourselves as we enter into this new year. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.